guys remember our theme for this year? Excellence. Sweet excellence. Exodus 15.7 says, And in the greatness of your excellence, you overthrow those who rise up against you. You send forth your burning anger, and it consumes them as chaff. And in the greatness of your excellence. In the context here, if you guys remember, Moses opened the Red Sea, closed behind him and everything. That's what's going on. But we're looking at his excellence, the greatness of of his excellence. So this morning we're looking at greatness. We're going to view, review just a little bit for last week. Um, we're talking about God's excellence, not our excellence necessarily per se, although that's included in his. Uh, last week we looked about the AT&T commercial, just okay is not okay. God wants excellence in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our marriages, at our work. He wants excellence in all of us. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And how we need to be doing everything in word and deed and uh, doing it in, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And uh, then we looked at Matthew 7.24-27, through 27, which talks about building your life on the foundation of the rock as opposed to the sand. Because when the storms of life come, when your life is built on the foundation of Christ, on the rock, you're, you'll make it through the storms. And if it's built on uh, sand, it's not going to last. And uh, we talked about the importance of a foundation. That was the most important part of a building because without a good foundation, nothing else matters. And what we're doing is we're building a good foundation and building on that foundation. And what I mean by building a good foundation, we are not exactly ourselves building the foundation. The foundation is already laid for us. It's already built. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 7, 24 through 27, where it says the wise man built his house upon the rock. The rock's already there. He didn't make the rock. God made the rock. And what we looked at last week, and this is really, really, really important, is 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15 says, For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He is our foundation. If we had to build the foundation, we would probably mess it up. The most important part, God knows it's the most important part. So he said, I got you. I'll take care of you. I'm building the foundation. I'm giving you the foundation. Just need to build upon that foundation. And it goes on. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, or precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. You see, we're going to be building, and the materials that we use are very important. As a matter of fact, here they talk about um, gold, 
and they talk about silver and precious stones as good things to build with, and then wood, hay, and straw. Because even if you have a good foundation, you still need to have a good building built upon that foundation. And it's going to be tested. Our works are going to be tested. What we do for the Lord even is going to be tested. And God's going to test that. And this is all review from last week. Remember, there's two, there's two judgments. There's the great white throne where a person's salvation is judged. And if it's really for non-believers, because they're going to have to try to justify to God why they should be in relationship with him. And the only justification there is is Jesus Christ. That's the only justification that any of us can bring is, I accepted your son Jesus Christ into my life. And then there's another judgment that takes place. It's called the Bema Seat of Christ. And that's for all Christians where their lives and their works for the Lord are going to be judged. And it's going to be judged in fire. It's not your salvation. You'll still be saved at this. And even if everything that we did, we get burned up, we're still saved. We're still with the Lord. We're still in with Him. So we're still going to have relationship. We're still going to be with Him. So I, I want to set your minds at ease about that. But it says, each man's work will become evident for the day will show up because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. So when we're building our lives and our ministry, it's going to get tested. And as it says here, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. So when we work, we want it to be in excellence. We want to do it as unto the name of the Lord Jesus. Everything we do in this life, we want to do it as unto the name of the Lord Jesus, because what we do is going to be tested. And there are going to be rewards given out. And God's going to give out rewards. And as I said last week, the Bible even talks about five crowns, five rewards that we can get as Christians. But God's not going to give out rewards the way we're giving out rewards in our society now. Right now, it's participation awards. You know, uh, when I played sports, they would give out the uh, most valuable, the most improved, and the most inspirational. Those were the three awards given out on athletic teams. You didn't get a trophy for being on the team. None of that stuff happened. Now, if you're on the team, everybody gets a trophy. God's saying, no, it's not going to be like that. Do it with excellence. Do it with the right heart. Do it with the right attitude. And do it unto and in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's what he's telling us to do. And I've already built. I've already built the foundation. I've already laid it. So he's laid it. It's ready for us. And as I shared last week, we can build on that foundation or we can build on the foundation of the world. Any foundation you build on other than Jesus, it's going to crumble. It's not going to last. It's not even going to last while we're down here. As a matter of fact, uh, even in our society right now, there are businesses like, uh, if you guys have noticed, Sears is going out of business. They just keep shutting store after store after store after store for years and years and years and years. We've had Sears. As a matter of fact, when I was young growing up around here, we didn't have our malls right around here when I was really young. We had to, had to go to South Coast Plaza and uh, over to the one in Newport. What's that one called? 
Fashion Island. And you know what we always went to was Sears. You always went to Sears back then. It doesn't last. Even even like the, uh, who is it, Bezos, who's in charge of Amazon? Yeah, he said, he told his employees, Amazon will not last forever. Nothing's going to down here. But what we do for the Lord with the right attitude in excellence with the right heart, that's going to last forever. And he's going to reward us for it. And, and, and this is all, uh, like I said, just from last week. Here's the, one of the main things I wanted to get to last week that we didn't get to. Is God wants to help you and help me in the building process. He's laid the foundation. He's put it down and says, here it is. This is where we're going to build it. And then he's showing us what he wants us to build. And he wants us, he wants to help us build this. He doesn't just say, here you go. No, you go do it. You go build it. Here's, he doesn't just leave us alone. He says, no, I want to help you. I want to be with you. He says, I want to guide you in this. I want to be with you every single step of the way. It says in Psalm 127.1, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. So even within the church, there are people who may be doing good works, but God didn't even call them to do those good works. God doesn't even want that person doing those good works. He actually wants somebody else to be doing that, but the person who's doing it didn't really seek the Lord and say, God, where do you want me and what do you want me to be doing? They just said, well, I'll do it. And even within the church, sometimes God will say, well, that's good, and it's a good work, and I'm even glad you're doing it, but that's not what I called you to do. And the problem with you doing it is what I want you to be doing, you're not doing because you're busy doing something else. I really want you to be doing this over here. And so we need to be in that communion with the Holy Spirit. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. It says in John 16, 12 through 15, it says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. So he says, he, who is he? The Holy Spirit the spirit of truth. He will guide you. He will guide you into all the truth. We have the Holy Spirit here today to guide each and every one of us, to speak to each and every one of us, to be in our lives, to help us build our lives on the Lord and build our ministry on the Lord. And you know why God gives us his Holy Spirit? Because if he doesn't, he knows we're going to mess it up. He knows that we're going to end up having issues with it. We're probably going to get caught into legalism by 
spending our whole life trying to work for God's love when God says, I already love you, and we can't work for it. Many people are trying to work for salvation when God says it's by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves that no man should boast. We can't work for it. We can't go out and try to do all this. So because he knows that we'll try to mess it up, and as we mess it up, Satan's going to try to keep us in, in, in condemnation and beating ourselves up and in legalism because that's what Satan does. And he tries to attack us and go after us. So he says, I'm going to send you somebody who can help you. I'm going to send somebody who will not only help you, he'll come alongside you, and he'll guide you, and he'll guide you into all the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. He will continually be guiding us back to Jesus, guiding us back to to the Lord. He's going to guide us into who Jesus really is because there are different cults and different people trying to say things about Jesus back then and even this day. And they're trying to say things that simply are not true about Jesus. So he'll guide us into his identity so we all know who the true Jesus is. He will guide us into his words. He will guide us into his actions. He will guide us into his love. He will guide us into his excellence. And and in the Greek, it's really talking about guiding us even into the, into the future, into death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You see, we need an engineer, we need an architect, and we need a general contractor. And he's there to be all of that for us. He's the engineer. He's the one's engineer who can tell us the specs and the way it needs to be built and how it needs to be built and make sure that it will withstand the storms that it's going to face because the Holy Spirit knows what storms are going to come into our life, so we need him as an engineer because he knows what storms we're going to face in our life, and he can say these are the specs we need to build it to to make sure it withstands the, the storms of life. And then we need someone to draw the plans up, and he's the one who's going to help us draw the plans up so we know what we're building and so it comes out the way it's supposed to be built. And then we need a general contractor who's on the job and make sure and it's all going right. You know, uh, three years ago, Aaron and I took on a, a, uh, a job, a project, I should say, at our house. And uh, we hired PD, and he came over and redid our kitchen and two bathrooms. And it doesn't sound like that huge of a job. A lot more than what you think it is if you've never done it. Um, and, and I may not remember everything totally accurately, but Petey said, it will be cheaper if we do it all at once than if we do it at different times. So well, we need to come in. We need to do it all at once. Don't worry. We'll always, you'll always have running water. One of the bathrooms will have running water in. But I can speak at our house when we were redoing the kitchen got completely taken down to the studs. The bathrooms were taken down to the studs. We took our oven from our kitchen, put it outside. We took two tarps, two of the blue tarps, and put them up. We had to do the dishes in the sink in the bathroom because there was nothing in the kitchen. And But you always had a bathroom, and you always had running water until we had it finished. 
that's the way it was. It wasn't simple. It wasn't easy. We would go out and we would cook outside. We had took a microwave outside. We knew we were getting new appliances, so we didn't worry about trying to keep the... It wasn't simple. It wasn't easy. As a matter of fact, you could say it was under construction. And let me tell you something about our lives. They're under construction. And it's not always easy, and it's not always simple, but we have running water. We have rivers of living water gushing from our innermost being. We have running water, and we have what we need. It's just not simple, and it's not easy. As a matter of fact, when you go out and you go someplace and it's under construction, they'll have a sign up, and it says, please excuse our mess. Please excuse my mess. You know, as Christians, we could all have signs on us. Please excuse my mess under construction. This isn't done. We're not finished yet. I don't remember how long it took to finish up. I would guess Petey doing it probably seven or eight years. No, just kidding. That's a joke. Ha ha, Petey. Petey's back there. He's going to hit me. I honestly don't remember how long it took. Um, I know he gave us a timeline, and it was right in that timeline. He was accurate. I know uh, going through it was difficult in many, many, many ways. But when people come over to our house now, they comment about the kitchen and how nice it looks and how great everything looks. And they go, and they go in the bathroom and say, oh, it looks so nice and it looks so great and it's this and that. And God's not done with us. He will begin a good work in you. He will complete it. When? Until the day of Christ Jesus, which means either you go to be with him, he translates in the air, we're with him, or we pass away and we're in his presence. Until then, we're under, we're under construction. If I had to do that kitchen... No compliments whatsoever. As a matter of fact, we'd still be working on that place. It would probably be still, it wouldn't, it wouldn't even be down to the studs yet, let alone building back where we're supposed to. Because not only is he down there and working and working with his guys, but then he brings all his subs in who come in and help him. You know, we have the Holy Spirit, who's the, uh, he is the general, and he's out on the job with us. But you know the Holy Spirit has subs, right? Called the church. And we're to be there to help work in each other's lives. We're to be there to speak the truth in love into each other's lives. We're to be there to be the, as we read earlier, the consolation of love, the encouragement in Christ. You know, some of the biggest encouragement we get in Christ is through the brothers and sisters in the Lord. You know, some of the biggest discouragement we get is, I don't need to say it, do I? Why are you guys smiling? The funny thing is, is it's true. 
we can get the biggest encouragement or the biggest discouragement from each other. You know what God wants to do with us and through us? Encourage over and over and over. And you know why God sent his spirit, the spirit of truth, to help us? Because he wants it to be excellent. Because he wants to finish it. He wants us to help us finish this and finish our lives. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Notice this. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He didn't say transform yourself. He didn't say go off on your own and just start going to work and transform yourself. He said be transformed. And how are we transformed? By the renewing of our mind. How are we renewing our mind? Hopefully the Word of God. Because you are renewing your mind. It may be in the Lord, or it may be another place, but you are renewing your mind. God's Word tells us to renew it in Him, in His Word, and by renewing our mind here, by transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, we have the Holy Spirit who wants to transform us. We have the Lord who wants to transform us. It says, be transformed. It says, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. Let that sink in. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. He didn't say on your own. On your own, you're, you're going to mess it up. He says, by the mercies of God, by getting what we don't deserve, God gives us what we don't deserve. That's what God's talking about here. By his mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. It says, and do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I want you to know something else here. It says, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God to present, to offer, to give, to yield. You see, a lot of us deal as Christians, as I said earlier, trying to be good enough. And we'll never be good enough on our own, ever. And Satan gets us involved in always trying to be good enough. And what happens, it kind of goes like this. You see, you know who you really are. You know your deepest struggles. You know your weaknesses. There are things you know that you do that you, you're doing that you shouldn't be doing. And you don't want anybody else to know about these things. 
And so we hide them and we pretend that they're not there. But we know we're there. And so because we know they're there, Satan keeps harping those on us. And he harps about those things in our life. And we're always saying, I'm going to transform myself. I'm going to be good enough. I'm going to be good enough, God, for you to love me because we feel like God doesn't love us. God loves us already. And he has the spirit of truth to help us to start renewing our mind so our mind lines up with God's word and what God's word tells about us. Satan's always lying to us and getting us to see. And the problem is, as Christians, we know we shouldn't do these things, and we do them anyway, and then we deal with guilt, and we deal with shame, and we deal with condemnation, and we keep dealing with it, and we keep trying to transform ourselves to be good enough, but we keep failing, which just makes us feel even worse. And then we see other people who are Christians, and we look at them, and we think, well, they're not dealing with the thing or something as nearly as gnarly as I'm dealing with. Therefore, they're a good Christian, and I'm not a good Christian. And it starts spinning in our mind, and as it spins in our mind, the more we think about it, the down, the worse we get. Where even Christians get where they become suicidal. We're Christians, and Satan tries to suck us down. And God's saying, no, that's not what I have for you. John 3, 17, For the Son did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world should be saved through him. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of life and liberty has set you free from the law of sin and of, of death. You see, Satan's trying to get us involved in death and looking at what we're struggling with. I'm not saying throw in the towel and just go live a life of hedonism in any way, form, or fashion. I'm saying quit listening to Satan and start listening to God. God says you're forgiven, not forsaken. God says you're a saint. Hagios, holy, to the saints. As a matter of fact, if I were writing a letter, I might write a letter to the saints at Christian Mission Church. You know who I'd be talking about? All of you. You know why? Because you're all saints in God's eyes. We need to start renewing our mind in God's Word and, and in the Lord so we start seeing the, ourselves the way God sees us. Satan's bringing condemnation. Jesus said, I came to set the captives free from condemnation. In Romans 8, 1, when Paul says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of liberty has set you free from the law of sin and death. Right before that, in chapter 7, starting in four, verse 14, is where Paul says, The things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I don't want to do, I do. O wretched man that I am, who will set me free? And then he says, Praise be to Jesus Christ, our foundation, who sets us free. You want to be set free and be set free once and for all? God loves you, and he's not going to love you any more than he loves you right now. So quit trying to earn his love. When you go out and you do works, you do works because he loves us, and we love him back. And because we love him, we just want to please him. We're not trying to gain his love. We're not trying to gain his attention. We already have his attention. He's already said, well done, thy good and faithful servant just want to start seeing 
ourselves the way God sees us, because we see ourselves as worthless. And he li Satan lies to us, and we grab into the lie. You can't transform yourself. Quit trying to transform yourself. Start saying, Holy Spirit, I can't do it. I can't do it on my own. I've tried and tried and tried. I've promised. I've made promises, and I keep failing. I can't do it. Holy Spirit, I need your help. Guide me. And you know what he says? Let's do this. Let's do this together. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be. It's going to be difficult on you, but we're going to get through it. It wasn't easy, and PD was there every day, and his guys were every day, and they were working every day and going forward every day, and it still took as long as it took. But when the end product came out, it came out amazing. It came out where we get all these compliments. You see, God wants to help you do the work because he wants your life to be excellent. And he knows if he leaves it up to us, it's not going to be excellent. So he says, I want it to be excellent. I have excellence for you. I have excellence for, for your life. I have excellence for your marriage. I have excellence for your children. I have excellence. And he keeps saying, I have excellence for you guys. That's what I have for you. Grab onto it. Grasp onto it. Hold on to it. Don't let it go. And we had need to start saying, excuse the mess. I'm sorry. I'm still under construction. You ever noticed? I don't even know if I can share this. You ever noticed how when we get angry, we get Tourette's really quickly? Like uh, we get angry and words come flying out of our mouth that maybe shouldn't come flying out of our mouth. And it's like it just happens so quickly. It's like we have no control. It's just Tourette's. It's just like, you know, you smash your phone. Razzin, frazzin, 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 frazzin. That's swearing, by the way. And yet even then, when we do that, it's just to lead us back into God's grace and back into God's mercy. To realize we can't do it on our own, that we just need to rely on Him. We need to have communion with Him. We need to have relationship with Him. He sent His Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. He will guide you into all the truth. If you don't have the Holy Spirit in, in that relationship, get that relationship. Invite Him. You know what? The Holy Spirit's still speaking to us. He's still talking to us. Debbie Poiser and I were talking about before church about it and sharing stories back and forth about different times in our life when God had done things and said things and, and, and done things like this. And you know what? He speaks to us today. He's talking to us today. He wants relation. He wants to continually be guiding us. I don't know. This term just popped in my head. You guys remember the term deism? You guys know what deism is? No, we've heard it. We don't remember what it is. Deism is a theological term that basically means um, God created and then he turned us back and walked away and left us to our own wills and our own devices to do whatever we want to do. That's deism. That's not God. That's not who our God is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. See, God's saying, I want personal relationship. I want a close communion with each and every single person in this room. I want to talk to you, and I want you to listen to me.
As a matter of fact, in prayer time, we should be spending more time listening to God than we should be talking to God. We should be spending more time, God, speak to me. Now let me hear what you have to tell me. Share what you want me to hear. Speak to me. Open. And it keep talking to him. He wants us to talk to him, but then give time for him to speak. You ever had a relationship when it's one way and one person does all the talking and you never get to say anything? You know what that's called? Hades. Nobody wants that. We want relationship. Relationship is give and take. We want to be able, we, we want to know that people are going to listen to what we have to say, respect what we have to say, not necessarily agree, but at least listen and respect, and then listen in return. You know one of the biggest issues that couples have when they're fighting, when they're arguing, like a husband and wife, is they're not listening. If they would just stop and listen to what the other person is saying, but they're not. And you know why they're not listening? Because they're thinking about what they're going to say so they can win the argument. The problem is neither one of you win the argument. You both lose. You both walk away angry. You both walk away hurt. It's because we don't listen. and We don't take time to listen to our Lord. We need to, we need to slow down. We need to start spending time with him. We need to start listening to him. So I'm going to, you know what, I, I was going to go down to another major part, but I don't have time. So I'm going to go with this just for a little bit, and we'll probably start off here next week. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not out of, as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We are His workmanship. We are His masterpiece. And because we are His workmanship, we are His masterpiece, and He who began a good work on us will complete it in the day of Christ Jesus until the day of Christ Jesus he wants to make sure that it's excellent, that we are a masterpiece, and that we are excellent. Grasp that. Hold on to that. Don't let go of that. God has good things for his people. He has good plans for each and every one of us. He has excellence for each and every one of us. And you are his masterpiece. Don't listen to Satan. Satan will tell you to look at all the stuff. Quit looking at that stuff. Quit renewing your mind there. Quit start telling yourself, you transform me. I can't transform myself. I've proven it too many times. We open ourselves up. And then you start telling yourself, I am God's masterpiece. He is working in my life. I'm still under construction, but I'm his masterpiece. And tell, tell yourself until you believe it. Because me standing up here and telling you, you're saying amen, I want to believe it, and this week you're going to quit believing it. You're going to start seeing the other side. 
I want you to continue to believe it. So I want you to start telling yourself, I am God's masterpiece. I am God's masterpiece. I am God's masterpiece. Anybody take their three by five cards home from last week? Anybody put those cards out where they can see them? And looking at it, do you guys remember what you wrote on those cards? You know what? I want you every day, get those cards out, look at it, and if you want to add on there or something else to read every single day, I am God's masterpiece. Put that on the card. So every morning you're getting up and looking at, I am God's masterpiece. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that uh, we are your masterpiece and that you created us for good works. And in those good works, you want to help us with those good works because you know that we need help in those good works. And Father, I just want to take time right now and I want to pray for those people who have been living under legalism and trying to transform themselves over and over and over and just beating themselves up and beating themselves up and beating themselves up. And they would start realizing who Christ is in them and who they are in Christ because we need to realize both. And they would start understanding who Christ is in them and who they are in Christ. And we would start understanding that we are your masterpiece, that only you can transform us to be more like you, and that we are just present ourselves and yield ourselves to you, and you're the one who does the work. And I pray, Lord, as we, as we start grasping onto your word this way, that you would set us free from all that shame and guilt and condemnation that Satan's trying to keep us under. And uh, while everybody's praying and everybody has their eyes closed, I believe that every person in this room is saved, but I don't know that. And so I want to give you an opportunity to accept the Lord. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ into your life and you would like to do that this morning, now's the opportunity. You can stand up, walk down to the front of church. I'll introduce you to him. He'll come in. You can have that communion I'm talking about. You can receive the Holy Spirit. He wants to come in. He wants to guide you. He wants to help you. He wants to help you to build this life of yours into a life of excellence. Anybody who would like to do that for the first time this morning? And Heavenly Father, I just pray, Lord, for every Christian now. I pray again, Lord Jesus, that we just start presenting ourselves to you and allow you to transform us the way you want to transform us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone says... Amen. Let's stand and close in song. Amen.